You are listening to The Fox, a podcast novel written and read by Arlene Radaski. Chapter 20, Ain, May 2005. I was feeling sorry for myself, but time slipped by quickly that night. Jim Callie had called. He'd finished testing the contents of the urn I'd found in the cave. The last test he ran on the contents of the bowl came up with results showing the urn contained ashes of a female. As I was yelling for joy, he broke through with another tidbit. Ain, remember I told you your bronze urn, the raven bowl, looked like the one Mark found? Well, I had an expert on bronze engraving look at it and compare them. She said it looked as if the same artist engraved both. She wouldn't put it in writing, but I thought you'd be interested. Flippin' eck, I yelled. Thought I would be interested. Calm down, I told myself. Breathe in, breathe out. Yes, that's incredible news. I understand. Just to hear someone else with that opinion is enough for me. Thank you so much, Jim. I think you need to call in a regional archaeologist. Your site is becoming more and more interesting. I don't have names here, but I could research it for you. I wanted more time to mull over his results before the rest of the world found out. As soon as I called in the government, I would have reporters on site. I also wanted time to get more people here for security. Jim, give me a few days before we release this news. I'll find out who the regional is and make the call. I want to make sure I understand everything before the reporters from the publications inundate us. Okay, Ain, call me before you release. I want to be ready, too. Right, Jimmy. Thanks again. I grabbed my bottle of Lagavulin, ran into the living room of our rented house, and realized all the others had gone to town. It was Friday night, our traditional night out. I vaguely remembered hearing them invite me before Jim's phone call and my lack-hearted response, no, not tonight, thanks. Now I was alone, only me, myself, and I, to drink my good scotch. Oh well, more for me. I sank to the floor and poured myself a drink. Actually, I can drink with you, Jonna. No, drink to you. Oh, here I go, talking to my ghosts. Mark wouldn't like this. But Jonna might be listening. I I'm not crazy yet. Thank you for leading me here, for getting me through the quagmire of my life to get me to this spot. This scotch isn't the same as honey mead that you drank, but it's pretty good. So here's to you, Jonna. The alcohol quickly heated my stomach. The next day I shared the news about the urn with my crew and was buoyed by the cheers. Yes, I agree. We've found a treasure. I truly think there's more to find, so let's go back to work. Be careful. Don't overlook anything, and if you have any questions, please ask. By the way, I'm going to call in a regional archaeologist. I want this site to be put on the schedule. I hope it is classified as a national monument, but we will have to wait and see. About midday, I was down in one of the domiciles we were excavating. Can we get some supports in this area? I called to no one in particular. The soil is shifting here and we may lose all the hard work we've done. I'll bring some timber over right away, Terry said. 
He was one of my new hires. He had arrived last night, and on the job for the first day, he was ready to fetch anything I needed. Thanks, and can you get me another bottle of water? We keep them in the large tent under the table. Thanks again. The notification I posted on the university's webpage last Monday morning was already producing results. Four post-grads applied. One was here, Terry, and another one on the way this weekend. The other two decided to go to the site in Wales where Mark was. That site was sucking away all the available people in the country. My disappointment was tempered by the hope they were tripping over each other there. Smiling, I shook my head as I watched the lithe, dark-haired young man leap out of the excavated depression. It would have taken me a few minutes, and maybe even someone's hand, to help me out of this hole. Oh, God, how long had it been since I could move so freely? Now my back and knees were always aching. It was the payment we gave to our profession. We traded our bodies for clues to the past. I ruminated on the passage of time. The years since graduation were skimmed quickly. Didn't want to spend any breath on them. But here, on my hilltop, I wanted time to stop. I loved it here. I was comfortable here, despite my problems. There were never enough daylight hours to get everything done, even with the increase of workers. I seemed to be needed in four places at once, continually. Both Mark and George had taken their supervisory skills with them, and I was still learning how to delegate. It was hard not to watch over the shoulders of everyone here. I wanted all the information I could get about the people who had walked on this square, brought water up from this well, and lived in those abodes so long ago. It was also hard to admit to myself but I missed George, and yes, I especially missed Mark. I missed him even more as I watched Terry run across the field to the tent. Stay strong, Ain, stay strong, I whispered to myself. I was too busy during the day to have time to think, but the long nights and empty place beside me in the bed tempted me to call him. So far, I'd resisted calling for a whole week. I had a plan just to get through seven nights, one night at a time, and then I could black out a whole week on my calendar. I already had one week blacked out and one night crossed off on the second week. I was doing pretty well in my eyes, as long as I didn't spend too much time watching Terry. I sighed and kneeled back down to brush more loose dirt off the fire pit in the lodge we had started calling the Chieftain's Lodge. There were enough animal bones on the floor to indicate the serving of numerous large meals. It was logical. The chieftain entertained his troops continually. He loved the songs praising him. His warriors and hunters did most of the work, and he demanded the praise. Just like today's men, I thought. Can't give credit where credit is due. Ain, Ain, there's someone here to see you, Terry called from the tent. I had told him to call me Ain, not Ms. McCrae. When he called me Ms. McCray, I felt at least 50 years old. I was close enough to that as it was. Okay, Terry, would you please bring the wood to Tim and help him with this wall? I climbed out of the pit and walked to the tent. An old truck was parked in the field just below the trail. Someone had walked up the trail while I was looking at the deer bones in the chieftain's lodge fire pit. I stepped from the sun into the tent, squinting to see in the shade. 
The tent was empty except for the dark figure in front of me. When my eyes adjusted, I saw his face. He looked like Mr. Treadwell would have at least thirty or forty years ago. Hi, he walked to me, his hand out. My name is Stephen Treadwell. Ah, a son. I stepped closer and noticed that he had on new jeans. His blue button-down shirt seemed out of place on a farm, but hey, if that's what he wanted to herd his father's cows in, then let it be. When we shook hands, I knew he'd done farm work in the past. His hand was strong, but had lost the calluses his father's hand still wore. He was into some sort of bookwork now. This land had lost him. Hi, is your father okay? We were still on this land only by his permission. Yes, he's fine. He asked me to come up and talk to you. I didn't like the sound of this. Why didn't he come himself? Would you like a bottle of water? I reached under the table and grabbed for one. Sure, thank you. We twisted the bottles open. I drank half of mine and he took a sip. Well, what can I do for your father? He asked me to come up and tell you that he has decided to put his land up for sale. I was in the middle of another swallow and spat out the water in my mouth and went into a violent coughing spasm. Oh no, oh no, oh my lord, no! He came up behind me and started pounding my back. Coughing, I pushed him away. He was hurting more than helping. Oh my, when? I asked when I caught my breath. Now it became imperative to get started on my quest to have this site identified. Oh, gods, I should have done it earlier, but I never thought. Da said to say that you can have this summer, but a major hotel chain is looking to buy some land in this area, and he wants to get his foot in the running. But we just found this village. We'll need to be here for a few years excavating this hill fort. Uh, he said you wouldn't be pleased. Not pleased? I was panicked. I'm here from Coventry. Dad called me in. He wants me to handle this sale. His smile reminded me of a snake ready to strike. I'm sure we could get you some excavating rights built into the contract. I'm sure you know that Scottish law allows development around sites like this. I mean, wouldn't a hotel like a new archaeological site on its land? It would be a draw to the new kind of tourists. Uh, what are they called? Eco-tourists. You know, they love to come and do things. They could help you dig. Gods above, I could see it now. Untrained people coming in through a turnstile gate, picking up their visors and trowels in the gift shop and creating potholes in Jonna's home. I sat down hard on a stool and almost fell over. He reached out to catch me as my arms started windmilling. Oof! Oh, gods, I had hit him right in the nose and it started bleeding. He backed away from me. I pushed myself up off the ground and looked at his injury. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Oh, let me get some ice. Oh, yikes, we don't have any up here. Oh, here, let me put some pressure on it. No, don't lean your head back. The blood will go down your throat and make you sick. No, he said nasally, his nose pinched shut with his thumb and finger. He had his blue handkerchief out, trying to wipe blood from his chin and shirt. I'll get it. He continued to back away from me and then turned to go down the path. Actually, that's all I came for. I'm sure it'll stop soon. If not, Da has ice. He took off for his car at a trot while I stood at the tent door and watched. At the open car door, he reached in and grabbed a paper bag. 
I forgot, he yelled up the hill. Da found these in the peat the other day and thought you'd want them. I'll leave the bag here. He leaned over and set the bag on a boulder by the path, obviously not willing to risk another encounter with me. I stood rooted to the ground. I really needed to talk to someone, someone with more experience running sights than I had. As my senses came back into focus, I looked around and saw everyone watching me. They had gathered around the tent, having heard the whole exchange. Well, he said we have the rest of this season. I shook my head and shrugged. From now on, I have one of two goals. Either this site gets scheduled as a historic monument, or we find a pot of gold. I think we have a better chance of finding that pot of gold right now. Terry, would you run down and grab that bag for me, please? He handed it to me, and I stuffed it into my pocket. I wasn't ready to open it. Everyone shuffled back to where they had been before the bad news interrupted our good day. I walked to the opposite edge of the hill overlooking the peat bog and Mr. Treadwell's long-haired highland cattle. I spent a few minutes thinking about my future. Who should I contact? Of course, Mark's name came into mind immediately, but I really didn't want to call him until I had exhausted all my other routes. I started to sit on the green grass lining the side of my hill to think over my options when the contents of the bag dug into my leg. Ouch! I dug it out of my pocket and opened it. From the clanking, I could tell the clumps were metal, but I couldn't see any shapes. I dumped three pieces out of the bag into my lap and picked one up. Though centuries of bog grime covered it, I recognized it. I quickly picked up the other pieces and intently looked them over. Gods, they were bronze horse harness fittings. I could almost make out the engraving and see a bit of color. This just could be the pot of gold we were looking for, the evidence I needed to sway a council. The bog would be included on the site map with the hill fort. The urn was dated and the contents identified as human. My sight was important. It was as good as gold to me and others, I hoped. Tim, Lori, everyone come here, I yelled as I ran into the tent. Look, these were found in the bog. Candy took them from me, her polishing cloth in hand. As we stood and watched her, the gleam of bronze that had not seen the light of day in centuries started glinting in the afternoon sun. Then we saw the engravings. We need to get these cleaned and dated, Lori said excitedly, but they sure look beautiful right now. Should we send them to Glasgow? Yes. Please catalog and wrap them. Bring them home and I'll take them to the post tomorrow. I'm going to go find Mr. Treadwell and take pictures of where he found them. Normally we'd map and take pictures of the objects on site, but it was too late for that. Good afternoon, Mr. Treadwell. His son had answered the door at my knock and watched over his father's shoulder protectively as I spoke. Now, lassie, it'll do no good to try to talk me out of selling. My lads want no part of my father's land except in the money it'll bring. They tear my heart out, but what's a father to do? I've no other family to leave it to, so I may as well sell it and go live in Coventry. I don't know what I'll do there. Da, Stephen said, Shirley and me said you'd be living near us in that new retirement apartment complex. Ah, hi. Maybe I can scritch out a vegetable garden along the highway that runs just behind it. Mr. Treadwell, I need to take pictures of where you found the things you sent me today. He nodded and stepped out the door. 
Stay here, laddie. I wouldn't want to get your nice shoes all muddy. He and I started through his fields. I'm sorry that your sons don't want the farm, I said. Yes, well, there's little to be done about it. No use crying. My only hope was to be able to live out my life on this land. My da and his da and his died here. I wanted to do the same. Now I will die in the city. A deep sigh and shake of his head told me all I needed to know. He was not the one who instigated the sale of this land. Mr. Treadwell, there may be a way I can help. You've found some very important pieces in your bog. They're bronze harness fittings. I'm sending them off to Glasgow for cleaning and dating, but they may be just what I need to get this property sale delayed. I can get your land on the scheduled monument consent list for consideration. I'm calling in a regional archaeologist, and we could have your whole farm listed. There isn't much money available for that, but at least your land would be preserved, if that's what you really want. In my heart, I was praying he would say yes. I'll tell ye, we have no real indication where the hotel wants to buy, but my son says he can talk them into coming here. He says maybe since we've been on the land so long, the hotel would be named after us. Can you just see it? Treadwell's Inn. Ach, but Mrs. Dingleberry would have her knickers all in a bunch up, that's for sure. The smile on his face told me my chances were very small, if existing at all. We walked the rest of the way in traditional Scottish silence. I was nauseated, and he, I was sure, tired from talking so much. The bog was wet. I was glad I wore my wellies. He stepped up to a recently dug trench. Here. I came out here when my son came two days ago to get away from his constant talking. I cut a row, and in the middle, about here, my spade hit the metal. Did you say they were harness bits? Why would they be throwing good things like that into a bog? At the time that the village on your hilltop was occupied, I think it was early in the first century, the people believed in many gods. They made sacrifices to these gods. We have found bronze swords and other items in bogs that were once lakes. Their priests, the druids, asked for valuable and personal items to be given to the gods. Well, there were even human sacrifices at times. He stood looking over the bog while I walked up and down the row, taking pictures. I thought he was imagining the history that had taken place here. He's been here almost every day, recently. What? I looked up and noticed Mr. Treadwell looking across the bog to the trees on the other side, and turned to look myself. That fox, he said, pointing with his chin. Lately he's been here more than usual. What a creature! I wonder if there are many chickens missing around here. Mine have been okay. I keep them locked up at night, since I first saw him. He's a big un. Ravens erupted from the trees, flying into the sunset, the fox Mr. Treadwell referred to stood stock still, just ten feet away, not taking his eyes off us, not blinking. Then he rose and turned. His long, bushy tail carried proudly behind. He strutted into a row of oak trees. The chills on the back of my neck made the fine hairs on my arms stand up. I had the distinct feeling of being judged. I hope the verdict was favorable. Back at the farmhouse, I asked Mr. Treadwell not to make any hasty decisions. 
And please don't remove any more items. I'll call you as soon as I hear from someone. I'll make no promises, lassie. We'll take it day by day. I knew by then I needed to go talk to George. He could guide me to the right people, maybe even call in a few more favors and get the sale stopped, or at least slowed. This is my mobile number. I'm going to London for a couple of days. Please call me if there's any change or new development. Right. He took the slip of paper and tucked it away in his pocket. I hoped it wouldn't get mixed in with the receipts for cattle feed and other things in farmers' pockets. The next day, I stopped at the post to mail the harness bits to Glasgow. Tim was in charge of the site for the time I would be in London, with strict instructions to call me with any questions throughout the day and reports every evening. I didn't expect to be gone longer than two nights. I hadn't called George, but I knew he would be okay with my visit. He always had been in the past. I found a Fort William paper to read on the train. One article interested me above all the rest. A local mall had been increasing the size of its parking lot and stumbled across a pit of bones. All construction stopped until the coroner determined the bones weren't human. They were the bones of what looked to be a stag. Before they paved over the pit, an archaeologist removed the bones. It was surmised that because of the positioning of the bones and antlered skull, the stag had been sacrificed. Interesting, I thought, as the train sped its way to London, but not unusual. Finds like that happen every day in Great Britain. Please join me again for another chapter of The Fox by Arlene Rodasky. Now enjoy the music of Steve McDonald's song, End of the Highland Way from his album, Highland Farewell. His music can be found at www.etherean.com, who, along with Steve, have allowed me to use the music in my podcasts. Learn more about The Fox at www.radasky.com. My searching begun in a land bleached by sun Far from the highland snow T'was there that I read of the plight that they fled And the reasons they had to go Far, far away Swept all over the land, not a crofter or wife remained. The sure-footed feet of the chariot sheep had trampled the highland flame. Now gone is the highland way. 